that um, a lot of us sometimes in our life find ourselves uh, tired or to the point where we can't go on anymore or like my phone couldn't work anymore and we wonder uh, what's going on. And actually that has a lot to do with what uh, I've been talking about in my series lately of wells. And I remember what we talked about, what a well is. Okay, today we're talking about the well of worship, which you'll see come up there in a second. Wells, I'm using as a metaphor, as it were, for areas of our lives that bring refreshing, that bring growth, that bring hope, in the same that a natural well out in, in, in what we would build in nature brings water to us, it brings refreshing, it brings hope, and so on. And so often, uh, wells are places where we go to get refreshing, and in our lives, metaphorically, we have wells in our lives that can get stopped up, that can get blocked, that can get dirty, or maybe we're not accessing them, we're not using them. And so we've been looking at different areas of our lives where I think it's important as a Christian that we have uh, free-flowing, that are open and free and able to be used. So we explored uh, before uh, prayer, it was the first one we discussed, and then reading the Word of God, the Bible. And I think those are both obvious, fundamental building blocks for anybody that's looking to live a Christian life. I don't think there's much uh, there uh, to add other than I think they're pretty obvious. But I, I hope it's becoming very clear to everybody who's been listening that these aren't particularly complicated things. I actually believe that not much, if anything at all, about living the Christian life is complicated because God wants to make it something that all of us can do. And uh, God has given us everything we need to be able to pray and to read the Word. And really, uh, that often just comes down to a matter of personal habit, as we looked at, right? Time management and the way we live. And so another way of saying that is our lifestyle. So you're hearing me say that word a lot today. And by lifestyle, I mean the way in which we live our daily life, like what we're actually doing every day, the way we live our life, the overarching themes and actions of our lives. But today we're going to focus on the well of worship. Now, if you've been in church for a long time or even a little time and you hear that word worship, it usually brings up ideas and of songs and singing and praise and worship and those sorts of things. And that's true and that's good, but certainly not all of it. Uh, if you're new to the church or, or not, the idea of worship usually brings up the idea of at least of religion and some other type of worship, uh, you know, celebrity worship, political worship, uh, sports team worship. You know, the whole country last night watched one hockey game. Everybody watched one hockey game in our country, right? Because it was the main one. Yesterday was Hockey Day in Canada. A whole day devoted to everybody watching hockey all day. That, my friends, is worship. And I participated, and I watched the Habs beat the Leafs as God intended. Okay, and so uh, that's a joke. I don't believe God cares, by the way. Um, so uh, Tim Keller, the great preacher, said this. Everybody worships, by the way, he's not the only one that said this. I'm just giving him the credit for this. Tim Keller says, everybody worships. The only choice we get is what or who we worship. Uh, there's a gentleman named David Dark, and he wrote a book called Life's Too Short to Pretend You're Not Religious. Um, actually, and I'll just take a moment to say something. I've been saying this at least privately for a few years. Maybe I've said it from the pulpit a few times. I don't remember. But you'll hear, especially in Christian circles today, especially in Pentecostal circles or charismatic circles, that Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. I know what people mean when they say that, but they're wrong. Christianity is a religion, it just happens to be the true one. And that's the truth. And so we all have religion in our lives. The most ardent, the most serious atheist is extremely religious. They just 
maybe don't understand it in that way. And in fact, everybody worships. Even though they say, those that say they have none and they don't worship anything, well, what are they worshiping? Their own reason. They are putting their reason above all else. What I have reason to be true is the truth. You're worshiping your reason. We all worship. So we look at the dictionary maybe to understand what, what we mean by worship. Uh, the first definition you'll see is to honor or show reverence for, a divine, for as a divine being or supernatural power. That's the way most people understand. Honor and show reverence. To regard with great or extravagant respect, honor, devotion. Uh, for example, celebrity worship. Um, to take part in worship. So worshiping also is a verb in that sense. That you participate in it. It's also a noun, right? So it's a noun and a verb, okay? And so there's all sorts of different ways of, of, of looking at it. If I could just add my own little two cents, uh, I would say that worship is something we give our time to, our attention to, our devotion to, our money to. I think you get the picture. Uh, it has been said, and forgive me, I couldn't find the quote. It has been said, if you want me to know what you worship, let me look at your bank statement. Okay, I can't remember who said that, and I was cleverly trying to Google it. I couldn't find it, but whoever did, thank you very much. Okay, uh, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a way of looking at it. Or another way of looking at it would be, if you, want, if you want to know what you worship, tell me how you spend your time. Tell me who you hang out with. Tell me where you go, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay? So um, now, that's what I would just say. We've now established what worship is. Uh, you, and in Christian churches, you, you even hear it in some of our songs. We have that one song, and it literally says, God, you're all I want. You guys know I'm a big fan of the word all. It's pretty out there, right? This morning, we sang, you know, as a deer pants for water, so my soul longs after you. All these very emotional, very um, big words and so on. Uh, and it can be emotion-driven. And by the way, I'm not against emotion, emotion. But what does it all mean? What is it all for? So first, we've got to stop. Um, whether we like it or not, we all worship something. We're all religious. We're all worshiping. Now, the question is, as Tim Keller said, who or what do we worship? So we have to establish, first of all, let's look at Psalm uh, 145, verse 3. God is worthy of worship. Okay, so we're going to look at that verse in a second. It's coming up. What does worthy mean? I've talked about this before. Look at Psalm 145, 3. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. That's just one of many, many verses I could have picked out that say similar things. Okay. So what, is, what does worthy mean? So probably the easiest way of explaining it without taking a lot of time is God is worth it. Okay? Um, now, I want to address something today because the scoffer might say, well, what, well, does God need worship? Nope. Doesn't need it. Okay? Well, what kind of God needs me to worship? What kind of God wants me? Why does he need my worship? It's not, it's, again, this is the, the hubris, the arrogance of the human mind that says that God needs something from me. No, it's the same way, for example, if you're in a courtroom and you're there as a visitor, you're just watching, and you decide, eh, I'm bored. I'm just going to start scrolling on my phone and playing around. There is someone in that room that no matter who you think you are can tell you what to do. Who is that? The judge. The judge can say, even though you're not involved in the proceedings, the judge can say, hey, what do you think you're doing? Turn off your phone. And if you say, well, I don't care. You're just a normal human being like me. I'm not doing it. Turn off. I'm not turning off my phone. The judge can put you in jail for something called contempt, for not listening. Why? Because within that courtroom, 
the judge has that power. It doesn't matter what you think, who you think you are, your rights, whatever. The judge has been given the power to do that. But in the same way, cosmically speaking, God hasn't been given the power. He is the source of all power. And so he is worthy of our praise. It means that he has the right to receive our praise. And it doesn't even matter what we think. I've, I use this analogy all the time, but you know, if you want to, oh, I would love to meet the queen one day, okay? And if I met the queen, it doesn't matter how I want to greet her. There are rules. There's a way you have to bow. There's a thing you have to say. And you do not say anything else unless she speaks to you and asks you something to answer back. And you might think, well, I'm going to break the rules. And guess what happens if you break the rules? They just yank you out of the line and take you away. You see, that's in a sense, well, is God uh, uh, untouchable? Yeah, in one sense, look, his greatness no one can fathom. He's so great, but here's the beauty of what God does. He doesn't then go, well, I'm up here and you have to work your way up to me. He, in Jesus, came down to us and presented himself to us. So we'll pause there for a second. So when I talk about Christian lifestyle and worship lifestyle, what I really mean is worshiping in our day-to-day life. I do not simply mean church sing-sing time, okay? However, I would say this, and I, I, I really do mean this as nicely as I can. If you can't bring yourself to sing when you're at church, I would find it very hard to understand how you have a lifestyle of worship outside of church. Okay, when we're back to normal and people are allowed to sing, okay? It, 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 think about it now right? If you're surrounded by Christians where there's loud music and nobody can hear you and you find it hard to even sing out to God, I want, I, it makes me wonder where the rest of our life we might be, okay? But singing is not just part of it. It's about a lifestyle. It's about far more than that, although it's part of it. So as always, I encourage you to review these things for yourself. I would say this again about not being complicated. The Bible is not ambiguous, okay? What I mean by that is the Bible is not unclear, when it comes to the question of what it means to worship or how do I worship. As, a, as often is the case, the Bible is actually explicitly, simply clear for us. So we're going to look at some scriptures okay? today. Uh, let's look at a well-known scripture that's up on the wall in the church, actually, if you, if you come here. And uh, many of you know it. It's partly based on the name of the church. Okay, Romans 12.1 says this, Therefore I urge you, It's coming, don't worry. Brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Thank you, Paul. Right? We could all kind of go home now. What's true and proper worship, Pastor Richard? Read Romans 12.1. You see, he's saying, therefore, brothers and sisters, because of God's mercy, make your lifestyle, everything, your whole body, your life, a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is how you worship. So he's saying your lifestyle, by your lifestyle, because of what God did for us, your lifestyle should be something that reflects God's love and mercy and shows your gratitude and uh, love for, his worship, uh, for, for what he's done. Now, I say this a lot, okay, but, of course, I think... It's important for us to keep on going. We could just stop now and say, okay, that's it's done. But what does it mean, offer my body as a true and living sacrifice? All right, so here we're going to get into some interesting Bible talk, okay? We know from history, and even today it happens, that a sacrifice means that something was brought before a god or a deity or whatever, and then usually an animal, 
and unfortunately in some cases and in other places, humans, and they were killed or burned or left at the altar or wherever it was as a symbol of devotion. Okay, you could be pouring out milk or you could be slaughtering a cow or you could be leaving fruits or whatever. Sacrifice, you're giving up something. So the notion here is death. Okay? As in to simply put it, when we worship God in our lifestyle, we put to death our desires and the way we want to live, and we live for him instead, and we live the way that he wants us to live instead. Okay? In Colossians chapter 3, we're not going to go there. Okay? I don't have a verse or anything, but you can go look at it. Paul speaks about a a lifestyle that is committed to worshiping Jesus, and he says, Put to death these things in your life. That's the message Paul says. Put to death greed and lust and etc. etc. There is no quarter given. You know that that's a. I guess that's a movie thing now. But no quarter given means there's no mercy given to sin in our lives. Okay, when in the old battles when they would say go attack my enemy and don't give them quarter, what that meant was the king was saying when you go attack that enemy, I don't care if they surrender, kill them anyway. Okay, that's in the, in the historical context. In this context, what, what Paul is saying is, is, don't give any quarter, don't give any room to sin. Kill it. So when we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, we're, not, we're sacrificing that which is not of God out of our lives. So as it says in that verse, in view of God's mercy, so the way that God treated us was not to kill us or to hurt us. He loved us, and he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us. And so that he saved us from our sins, and he rose again, and he's praying for us, he's interceding for us. And so our response to that is, oh, you did this for us, now I'm going to live for you. This is my lifestyle of worship. And so worshiping God with our life has a plethora, a whole big list of practical meanings for all of us to be able to show our worship. We've already talked about two of them. Praying and reading the Word of God. Acts of worship. Coming to church when there's not a COVID pandemic is an act of worship. But even you now who happen to be watching, even now live or later recorded, you're doing an act of worship. You're, you're being taking part in fellowship. When we come together and sing songs we talked about, when we take communion together as we just did, that's an act of worship. We can go on and on and on. Okay, There's all these things you know, I wish was, this is the time where I wish I had a crowd because I could shout out things and you guys could shout out things back, but we're going to go. What kind of acts of worship are there? You know what? A kind word is an act of worship. A prayer made for somebody is an act of worship. Choosing to tell the truth instead of a lie is an act of worship. Honoring one another is an act of worship. Praying for those in leadership and government is an act of worship. As you see, I could go on and on and on and on because as I mentioned, in these teachings of the Word of God, we read them out. When we read them out, they're very simple, very practical things we can do with our own lives every We understand that sometimes people on the outside may look a certain way, but on the same. That's why it's important that we make sure our inner life matches what is being shown to the world. So that right now, your inner heart and mind have to be at right, right place with God and at peace with God before we go out there and worship. Okay? That we've repaint, repented. Repented, I wrote here. Repented. And I read it. Okay? And that our life may be under His leadership and not ours. 
Jesus makes it abundantly clear. This is Jesus now. That worshiping him is worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Okay? It's something he takes very importantly and not lightly. I'm going to read a larger portion of scripture. But if you can put up the next scripture from Matthew 15, I believe it's verse 8. Jesus is talking to people who are very busy body, making rules and regulations, the religious people of the day. And he calls them hypocrites, which is a really big charge, right? Hypocrites means, what does hypocrite mean? It says, means that you're saying one thing and you're doing another. Okay? Or that you, 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 you outwardly appear to be holy and righteous and doing the right thing, but that you're a liar and that you're not doing that. Okay? So Matthew 15, 8, will be up there in a second. But when he says, he, Jesus then quotes the prophet Isaiah when he's talking about them. He says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So God forbid that we be in a situation of worship, okay, where we're, we're, oh, Lord, I worship you, and I honor you, and I love you, and you're the best, and whatever, but inside our hearts are rotten, and our motives are rotten, and our mind is rotten. Or actually, while we're doing that, when we go home, we're doing something else that's not pleasing to God, or that hurts other people, okay? So now... Um, we go on and says, Jesus makes it clear here because the religious people at the time were trying to say, okay, Jesus, you've got to follow this rule and that rule and whatever, okay? And Jesus says clearly that whether you are right with God is a matter of the heart, not a matter of what rules and regulations you follow. Now, I'm going to say something that may seem, it's a paradox, okay? But it's important for you to understand. Christianity is not a matter of following rules and regulations. It's a matter of following the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life, and God will help you live that Christian lifestyle of worship. But here's something that needs to hit home with us, and you want to read the whole book of James, I'll show you that. When we are led by the Holy Spirit of God and we're living this lifestyle of worship, guess what happens? We, in a sense, inadvertently follow the rules and regulations. Okay? We don't get to heaven because we're good. And we don't act good because we're trying to get to heaven. We act good because of God's mercy in our lives and he empowers us to do that. And if we follow him and follow his leading and do as he says, all of a sudden goodness flows out of us. Do you see? It's, it's sort of like a wheel within a wheel. Is another, that's another Bible analogy. <clears throat> For when we have our heart right with God and we make God's worship our priority, we find that all of a sudden the rules and regulations just fall into place. And the ones that aren't necessary fall by the wayside. So when we're born again by the Spirit of God, the Spirit speaks to us and helps us live this lifestyle of freedom. In fact, we are no... Now again, we're going to get another Bible lesson here. We're no longer slaves to sin, okay? But we are a slave to something else. And we don't like that word. I know that word is not popular today, the word slave. What is, well, you've got to read your Bible and understand, as I've always encouraged you, you don't read the Bible and then see a word like that and then run away from it. Why? What are they talking about? What do they mean? The Bible actually says we are slaves to righteousness. Okay? Now, Romans 6 is a chapter I read a lot. I would love, maybe one day this year, I'll do a whole sermon on just Romans chapter 6. It's a fantastic chapter. So much in there. But let's look at verse 11. In the same way, it says, count yourself dead to sin. Excuse the missing O. But alive to God in Christ Jesus. Dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. I realize that that, that 
language like dead to sin and a slave to righteousness can cause some people anxiety. In fact, Paul addresses it in Romans 6. He goes, I'm writing to you in this language because you're human and I need you to understand what I mean. I'm now no longer bound and a slave to sin. I don't just do it like, oh, I can't help it. It's just I'm a broken person and I can't do it. I'm a slave to it. No, you're not. You're now a slave to righteousness. You now by rote, by as a fancy word, you now by a habit do the good thing, the righteous thing, not the sinful thing. That's what happens when the Spirit of God moves in you and you live a lifestyle of worship. So in that sense, you're a slave to goodness, to righteousness. But now you're born again by the Spirit of God, you live a lifestyle of worship, okay? So when you're saying, I'm not saying that you're a slave so that you're trapped, you're a slave to freedom, we hear that? It's a hard... I mean, you got it. By the Holy Spirit, I pray you just get that. You're now a slave to freedom. So let's read another well-known portion of Scripture. Again, we have Jesus talking, and he says this, An hour is coming, and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Again, this is another great example of a verse where we learn what it means to worship God. Explicitly, plainly spoken by Jesus, worship him in spirit and in truth. And I don't want to overcomplicate things. Okay? So I think we can simply say that Jesus is saying, if your outward appearance looks and sounds as if we are worshiping God, but our inward spirit is not right, then our worship can't be real. And so for it to be true, it must come from a spirit that is right with God. If our spirit isn't right and then we worship, we're not telling the truth. So it starts with our spirit that no one else can see, only we can see, only we know and God knows. If that is right, then what we worship is true. Now, I hear some of you might be saying, oh no, I don't know if I'm right with God. Are things okay? Am I worshiping Him in spirit and truth? Here's my encouragement for you today. Don't waste time trying to figure out the minutia. Turn to God right now. I don't care if you turn off what I'm saying right now. If there's something in your life that is blocking, you're not sure if you're worshiping God, if you're living right with God, get right with Him now. Don't wait for me to finish. Getting right with God is far more important than anything I'll ever preach. Say, God, if there's anything in me in which I'm struggling in some way, Lord, help me and meet me and show me where I'm at. Help me to put it aside. I repent from anything in my life that's blocking me from worshiping you in spirit and in truth. Some of you may be recognizing some things in your life right now. and You've got to deal with it. Then don't make a big song and dance about it. Don't write a list down. Don't whatever. Just deal with it. As Paul says, put it to death. Get it right with God now because guess what? Repenting and getting something right with God and putting Him first is also an act of worship. So you're worshiping Him when you do that. Repentance and confession is worship. Not confession to a priest. Don't call me and tell me about it. Go to God and confess it. Now, if you feel like you need to speak to somebody, of course, call us, speak to me, whatever. You know, we talk through it. But don't wait to deal with it. Cut it off now. As Jesus said, um, those who worship him are sp- must worship him in spirit and truth. Jesus said, must. Must is the big word. Again, always look for those words. Well, must, you mean, so if you don't do this, you can't worship. Exactly, you can't worship him in spirit and truth. So do it. Get, the, get that true worship going in your life. I had a feeling as I was preparing this that some of my people say, well, I don't even know where to start or what do I do or how do I restart? How do I live this lifestyle of worship? 
So this is what I want to encourage you to do. Just start somewhere. You know the basics we've been talking about already? The basics of daily praying and reading the Bible? That's a great place to start if you're not doing that yet. Just make that a part of your normal life rhythm, your normal life plan. You know? I, I always amaze myself when people say like, oh, well, I don't know if I can do that, or I don't know if I can but lifestyle of worship, I don't know whatever, all this time, you know. Listen, there are angels around God's throne praising him 24 hours a day. Okay? And we say, well, well, that sounds like whatever. I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if I could just find myself to be worshiping and praising all the time. Listen, we are humans. We are the same people that sometimes binge watch a Netflix show and forget what happened to the day. Okay? We are the same species that will line up for two days to get the newest iPhone. Okay? And as I already spoke about earlier this morning, we are the same, especially here in Canada, the vast majority of the country all watched the same thing last night because it was about something we all care about. So when people say, well, I'm not sure I have the time, I'm not sure whatever. Oh, again, I, I think I preach about this line. We got to make the time. Not find the time, because that means you're robbing Peter to pay Paul. Okay, you know that saying? When you're finding time, you're like, well, I'm just going to, and you'll end up falling. Make the time. Make that daily reading, that daily prayer a priority. If it's got to be first thing because you know you won't do it if you don't do it first thing, then do it first thing. You know, if it's got to be wherever it is, make time to develop that lifestyle of worship. Get some worship music going in your house, some praise and worship music playing in your house this morning, uh, right now. Okay, sing along with it, clap along with it, or, if, you know, dance along with it if you so wish. You know, it means something. You know, Val and I this morning, we were driving in and we had the, the Christian uh, satellite radio station on. And as we're driving in there, they played a song I hadn't heard before by the great Mandisa. I don't know if you're familiar with Mandisa. She's a, she, I think she won or almost won one of the American Idols. Did she win? I can't remember. Anyway, she's a good American Idol uh, singer and she's a Christian. And she had a song playing called Broken Hallelujah. And the whole song was, I'm not in a good place right now, God, but I'm going to give you a hallelujah anyway. Even if it's a little broken, I know it's what I need to do. I know it's a good thing to do. And I was like, yeah, exactly, Mandisa. You get it, right? So just right now, you're going to, what is that? Go into YouTube and write, Mandisa, broken hallelujah. Enter. And then you watch it and play it in your house and let it fill your house. I will say this a thousand times over and over again. The power even just of praise and worship music to just clear the atmosphere of your home can never be underestimated. I promise you that. Find other people who are, let me be very clear, not other Christians, because that can mean a lot of things, other life-giving Christians who have daily lifestyle of worship. Other people who are doing it. Right? People who are doing the thing that you're wanting to see in your life. Find those people who have the daily worship lifestyle that are just living it out and say, what are you doing? You got any tips and tricks? You got any ideas? How can you help me? Can you, can you keep me accountable? Can you send me an email? Can you text me? Can whatever, if I have a question, whatever it is. This is not something that's forced. See, because that's what people say when they say Christianity is not a religion. It's not like, well, if you don't read your Bible every day and if you don't pray, well, then you're going to go to hell. That is, that's religion, okay, and that's wrong. That's not Christianity. It's not about something forced, but it's something that becomes a natural rhythm of your life as a response to what God has done for you. Okay? And as you're doing that, it continues to empower you to live this lifestyle of worship. And for those of you that are already kind of doing it and you're kind of already living that lifestyle, great. 
Keep on going. And actually, rather than just using it for yourself, make sure that you're encouraging other people and you're going around and showing other people how to do it and you're sharing with other people. You know, getting on calls, getting on prayer calls, getting on worship calls, whatever it is, and encouraging other people. So as we're coming to a close, I want, I want to worship with all of you. So we can look at the last one up there. You go Psalm 100, verse 1 to 5. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his, and we are his people. The sheep of his pasture enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, and praise his name. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. This is a lifestyle of worship being spoken about here. You know, you may not be a shouter, okay? But I'm sure you know somebody who is, so they can be the shouter, okay? But shout to the joy, Lord all, uh, with joy all the earth. And it just, you know, there's this gladness that comes worshiping the Lord. You know, there's this almost a lightness that comes with this daily lifestyle of worship that I'm encouraging you to do. I, I want to add something here. I wrote this, I think, yesterday morning uh, out of, out of to tag on to this. With everything going on, the pandemic and life and politics and whatever, and people so sure they know what's happening, and you hear some preachers say, well, there's a revival coming. I'm going to say something, and I need you to give me a second, because I actually don't believe there's a revival coming. I actually believe that God is always moving in revival. It's just whether we as believers take a hold of what he's doing. Because I know there's a revival happening in China right now. In fact, if all things considered, in this century, there will be more Christians in China than there are in America. Okay? So God is on the move. And there's other places. I just like using China as an example. Okay? But it's, it's, it's not that we're trying to prepare ourselves and, and drum everything up, and, and then God will go, ooh, they're really trying down there. Bing! That's not how it works. He's always moving in revival power. And, and, and as a Pentecostalist, as someone who, whose church was born out of a revival, we tend to always try to recreate conditions or create new conditions in our own personal lives and our lives as churches and cities to make something happen. I don't believe it happens like that at all. But I do believe that people, individuals, and churches that know what it is to live in a daily lifestyle of worship know what it means to move in revival power. All around the world, God is moving in power. People are worshiping and seeing his hand move mightily in other places and here and in their churches. I just want to share one example of without giving any name. Sure, it's, it, it may not be, you know, a healing from something fantastic, but I was thinking about, uh, we were praying the other, a while ago, there was a young man, or at least younger than me, he's not that young, um, newer, newer to hang, being with us and hanging out with the church, and he lost his job. And it's a very good job. And he just said, hey, do you mind asking? He asked a friend, do you mind asking the church to pray? And so we, we talked with the young man. I think it was a, a week later. And he already had a new job. In fact, a better job and a really great job. I just like, God does that all the time. And we got to give him praise and thanks for it. And then I was thinking about uh, our, our sister, Sasha. The whole church was praying for Sasha, you know, and seeing how God is answering her prayers. I won't get into details. I'll let Sasha speak for herself. But God keeps on doing this. Keep on hearing about more people who are having children and so on and so forth. God is on the move. He's healing. He's moving. He's saving. People coming to faith in Jesus Christ. It's happening now. Don't keep on thinking, well, if I do this, then God will do something. He's already doing something. Just get on the bus. 
Okay? And it's, it's, it, it not could be the same here. It is the same here. And so blessed when I hear these testimonies of people and worship. So worship God and, and in his holiness and worship him and thank him for everything that he's done. And make sure around your dinner tables and around your conversations that you're thanking God and giving him praise for all that he's done. So let's just pray as we come together and read the word together. Gather as a church that we dig out or access this well of worship in our lives. I actually think it's almost prophetic that we're not allowed to sing and that we do communion. What happens, the gates of hell cannot prevent against the church. I'll share you this, I'll close with this story. I, as many of you know, I have a, I guess, a normal job, and I'm a senior manager for a manufacturing company here in Montreal, and occasionally I will walk through the factory in the warehouse, you know, because it's under my responsibility. And uh, it just so happens, you know, um, I was walking through and a couple of the women who work in our department, you know, they work manual labor. They're, they're newly arrived immigrants from Haiti. They saw me and they knew, that my, they knew my French was pretty good and unfortunately their supervisor wasn't so great in French. So they asked to speak to me because they, were, they wanted to be clear about something. So um, she talked to me and she goes, oh, basically, I won't, I won't say it in French because I know not everybody here is pretty French. She says, my shoulder's, hurting, sorry, my shoulder's hurting from something that happened at work, blah, 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 blah. And then uh, the other woman says, who's another Haitian, says something and back and forth. And then, uh, so they're talking, and, and, and they said, I said, okay, well, you know, go rest, whatever. And then uh, how did it happen? I said, oh, I said, uh, you sound like you're not, you, you don't sound like you're from POP, like where are you from? You don't sound like you're from Port-au-Prince, which is the capital of Haiti. And she goes, eh? How did, you know, how did you know I'm not? I said, I, I know a few people. You just don't sound like you're from Port-au-Prince. Where are you from? So she says where she's from. And then I tell her that, oh, we've got friends down there in this town and that town. And I know people got churches down there. And they flipped their lid. They couldn't believe it. And so we started talking. And anyway, then somebody else says, well, yeah, yeah, that's the one. He's a pastor. Well, when she heard that, and she said, what? What church? I told her about the church. She says, I go to this church downtown. I said, great. You know. Uh, whatever, and then she's like, look, and I said, you know what you really should do? I said, you're here complaining about your shoulder. You should pray for your shoulder to be healed. And she's like, yeah, that's it. Yes, you know, whatever, like, whatever. Now, this is just a little interaction at work, but why am I telling you that? Because I think it's happening all over the place. I don't think it's just Transformation Church or even Montreal or whatever, but that's how God moves. It's happening everywhere, all over the place. It's spilling everywhere. It's a lifestyle Okay, and these young ladies who I met, uh, who work, literally work for me, they have it too, you know, and it's just amazing to see us bump into each other uh, by virtue of what's going on. So here you have a senior manager of the company and somebody newly arrived to the country working on the assembly line, having this synergy moment ordained by the Holy Spirit. We're at the same, it's, it's not, you know, at work I'm, if you will, higher ranked and they're not. And seriously, there's the disparity also thing. But in the kingdom of God, equals both experiencing the power and mercy and love of God exactly the same way so it doesn't matter both living out the lifestyle of worship in the same way it was such a blessing I can't wait to see her again on on Monday this was Friday actually that this happened so I'm thankful for that so I'm encouraging you let's pray together and I'm going to ask you now just to bow your heads and we're going to pray Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for these wells that we've been talking about, talking about digging out, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be a people, Lord, that are people of prayer, 
Help us, Lord, to be a people of the word and help us to be a people, Lord, who live a lifestyle of worship, Lord. Help us know what it is to worship you, as you say, in spirit and in truth. Help us, Lord, as the Apostle Paul teaches us, to put to death the things which are not right in us. Lord, help us, Lord, know what it means, Lord, to no longer be a slave to sin, but to be a child of God, Lord, and to be, Lord, uh, righteous before you because you saved us, Lord. In view of your mercy, Lord, help us to live our lives as a response uh, to your mercy, Lord, of worship, Lord. Help us, Lord, to know what it is to daily worship you in all of our activities, Lord, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our homes, Lord. All throughout this pandemic, Lord, we just pray, Lord, that your name would be glorified above all things, Lord. And we're not looking for when you're going to come, Lord. We're not looking for something in the future. We know you're here right now. You're in a midst right now. You're with us all. So, Lord, help us, Lord, to be a light and a hope, Lord, in the nation, Lord, to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We ask in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. I just want to thank you all so much for joining us this week. Look forward to joining you again. Remember, please, uh, the Connect Groups, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, you're welcome to join us, even if it's near the end. There'll be a new one coming in March. And otherwise, we pray God's blessing over all of you. Have a great week, and God bless.